uh, float suddenly sputted to a close. It was out of gas. Can you imagine having a beautiful float in the middle of the Rose Bowl Parade? Every camera, everybody, maybe people pointing and laughing at you as you sat there. Finally, someone found a gas can and brought and put in the little truck that was underneath the the float, and they drove off. The funny thing about it was that the float was sponsored by the Standard Oil Company. (laughs) With all the great reserves that the Standard Oil Company had in its resources, its truck was out of gas. You know, even though Christians have access to God's omnipotence, if we don't avail ourselves of that vast resource, we're going to be just like that truck and run out of power. I think about the fact that Jesus does not just offer the promise of eternal life one day. He does that. But he offers strength and power for this life right now to sustain us in the present. His own words, Jesus tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches. When we remain connected to him, we receive all of the power and the strength necessary to produce wonderful fruit and with it throughout our lives. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today. and In Jesus' name, we ask that you give us strength to resist the temptation and to remain in you. Grant us I pray, the ability to live faithfully and productively and those lives as a member of the kingdom of heaven. May we never forget the power we have access to. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Welcome back to church. I'm glad you're here this fourth week, final week of the series in his words, letting Jesus speak for himself. Each week we've had the opportunity to take a look at one of one of the I am sayings in the book of John. And uh, as we've looked at those, they reveal the true nature who, of who Jesus is for us, who he reveals himself to be. The truth is, as we begin to understand who Jesus is, we can further understand how he's working in your life and in my life. He gives us the ability to plug into that vast resource, that power of who he is as the God of I am. So far, uh, during this time, we've seen the phrases, uh, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door. As we've reviewed those, each of those statements has power in its own right, doesn't it? It elicits something in our mind as we think of Jesus being the bread of life and all that he offers us and sustaining us on a daily basis. As he's the light of the world, he reveals to us the path that we need to walk. As him being the door, he opens up for us not only eternity in heaven, but here in this life, a peace that passes understanding. Each of those statements has power. And that all-powerful God kindles something in us he's kind and he's generous and it's because of that we read these words jesus can with confidence say in john fifteen five, i am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing think about that i can't do anything unless I'm plugged in to Jesus. Now, I've never heard anyone say that they hoped to do nothing in their life. 
<laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to do anything. Uh, maybe we've gotten tired temporarily and we'd like to, a break in our lives, but to do nothing with your life? So what is it Jesus is saying here? How is it that you and I can stay connected to him as he is the vine? And how can we produce fruit? How do we plug in to what Jesus is saying? I think there are a few questions I hope to answer today as we look at John 15, 5, verses 1 through 5. And it may help us to read those verses afresh and anew. If you'd stand with me in honor of reading God's word, John 15, 5, verses 1 through 5. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Thank you. You may be seated. When we look at this verse, I think we see the power of Jesus. I think it's depicted there in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And it is a manifestation of his divine nature. We see who he is and how he reveals himself. He is the vine. I look at those words and I, I recognize what that means. My family likes to play in the garden. I like to eat the stuff they produce in the garden. I don't like playing in the garden. It's not my fun thing to do. I don't want to stand outside. I don't want to water. I don't want to dig in the dirt. I just, I just don't like it. But they do. And so we get a lot of things. And I have seen what has happened over the years from those items that have been cut away from the vine. Some of you may have uh, a pile that you cut branches and you, you throw them in to burn them at some later date. It's vivid imagery, and it's also imagery that God uses himself later in the word of God when he talks about how he will judge people when they are separated from him, cut away from him. And that, this passage talks about that. He is the life and the sustaining power for all of us who name him a savior. The power that he has, he gained from the Father. Jesus said, everything I have comes from the Father, right? Everything I am comes from the Father. And so Jesus has that sustaining power from God the Father. And I think that metaphor encapsulates for us, like the others in the weeks past have, the relationship between Jesus and the Father in the Godhead as we look at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They reveal themselves to us, and he reveals himself to us on purpose that we might understand our place in this connection. Jesus says, I've received my power from the Father. I am the vine. Now you're going to receive power from me. We understand that. And just as a branch cannot survive, let alone bear fruit without a vine, so too we cannot thrive spiritually without a deep and abiding connection to Jesus. You hear those words? Deep and abiding. Not cursory, not just glancing, but abiding tightly with him. I've recently looked at some of the trees that were blown over by the windstorm that we had uh, earlier this year. 
And you can tell that some of them are still connected, can't you? There's a tree on the highways. I go to Sepulpa, and the tree is down on its side, and half of it is still green, and the other half of it is dead. Apparently, part of it's still connected to a root system. It's still regaining, gaining sustenance. It's still living. It's still a part of this world. But the other half of that tree is brown and shriveled and dead. To me, it's a vivid picture of being connected deeply and abidingly with Jesus. This power, this connection, is not just sustaining life, but also, as Jesus says, enables growth and fruitfulness. I'm not just alive. I'm bearing fruit. A number of years ago, I think one of, one of the family members uh, got the idea that they needed to, to plant some fruit trees. And so they went out and they planted fruit trees on their property. And, you know, it was a year or two and the trees were blooming and growing and, you know, a year or five. And it's like, you know, it should be producing or something. And they never realized that you had to produce them in pairs. That one, you know, helps the other one to be pollinated and to grow. And because there weren't two of these kinds of fruit trees, fruit never developed. They were never truly connected to the system. And because of it, never produced. The fruit that Jesus speaks about in this verse is not merely a reference to, to good deeds or moral behavior. It's not just, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. It's more than that. It's a metaphor, I think, for the characteristics of the Holy Spirit as he lives in us. Now we've connected everything, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That fruitfulness that you and I have is because we remain in Jesus, we have things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-controls. And those qualities, those fruit-bearing qualities cannot be manufactured apart from Jesus. Have you ever met anybody that when they smile, it just doesn't quite make it to their eyes? You know, they just smile on their face, but it just doesn't really get up here. They're manufacturing happiness. But it's not a part of their life. I think the power of Jesus is transformative. It changes us. It changes us from the inside out. It makes us into something that's fruitful. That when we abide in Jesus, when we are connected to him, we're not merely improved versions of our older selves. We're transformed. We're different than we were before. Have you ever seen people graft onto different branches and trees. You, you can take one and graft it onto another tree and it grows and it develops. It transforms itself because it's connected to the, another power. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, that when we abide in Jesus, we are new creations, reborn, not the old way, now it's a new way. And that transformation is not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifelong process. He changes us. The Bible says we are conformed to the image of his son. That's that transformative power that motivates and moves us, molds us more into the likeness of Jesus. More and more, we're transformed. Again, we're not layered with a veneer. We're transformed from the inside out. I like to work with wood. Uh, I like woodworking. And over the years, I've refinished things, and I have 
started to work on finishes sometimes only to discover to my chagrin that the thing that I'm trying to refinish was a veneer. And if you're not careful, take a sander to it and and next thing you know, chips are flying off and what you thought was a solid piece of wood is no longer solid. It's now chips and strips and pieces that what do I do? You know, uh, if you know anything about woodworking, I just have to take the whole veneer off and start over, put a new veneer on it. We're not a veneer. We're transformed from the inside out. We're solid wood in Jesus. He makes us into something that we never were before. And it's through his power that we are saved from sin and from death. Jesus, the vine, was cut off and died so that you, now connected to the branch, might live. His resurrection power conquered death. Not just for himself, but all for those who believe in him. And it's that power, this ultimate demonstration of his power, the power to save and give eternal life that proves who Jesus is. You know, as we learned last week, as we talked about the I am statements, we discovered that he was the gate. He was the door is another way to use that expression through which we gain eternal life. We find, the Bible says, pasture. We go in and out. We, we find peace. We, we provide for us everything we need. We have the light to guide us. We learned in one week. And as that power sustains us, it gives us, I think, strength to endure. Because you and I would both agree, I think, that we need enduring power from week to week. Things happen to us. Things fall apart. Things in our lives that cause us to sometimes want to give up. And what we need in the midst of a storm is to keep pressing on. And to do that, I need the sustaining power of Jesus. Because sometimes the body just wants to give up. You know, a number of years ago when I was dealing with cancer, there got to be a point at which after two rounds of chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant, I looked at Teresa and I said, if this doesn't work, I'm done. I've done enough. I'm through. Sometimes the body just wants to give up. Praise God, he had other plans. And I'm grateful he did. When we look at ourselves, it's amazing the power that is available for those who choose to abide in Jesus. You choose to be connected to him. It's not discriminative based on your race or your gender or your social status. It's freely given to anyone who is willing to accept it. All we need to do, the Bible says, is remain in him. Be connected to him. And and that power will flow through us and make us into what he wants. When I look at my life and I think of how I have been connected to Jesus, it is only through his power that I have through life maintained the ability to face life. Remember at a young age, and I've shared some of these things with you, young age, I was just barely driving and my uncle collapsed in our home because of a brain tumor. My mother and I put him in the car and drove him to the hospital. I mean, we were so upset we didn't think about calling an ambulance. We just wanted to get him to the doctor. He never came out. He never awoke from the coma. Within a matter of months, my grandmother became ill, and she passed away. A few, a few, within a few months to a year, my grandfather connect, had cancer, and I drove him to 
cancer treatments every week and I watched him go down and he eventually died. We had a number of close friends to us. I'm 15 to 17 years old in a matter of years and I'm being a, a pallbearer at funeral after funeral after funeral. And you know, and as a young person, you begin to wonder, is this what life is about? You know, all the people around you dying that you love? Is there not more? Is there not something else? And it was the sustaining power of Jesus that got me through those years of stress. Where I discovered, no, this is not all that there is. And even if it was, Jesus could get me through it and give me sustaining power. Number two, we need to remain connected to Jesus. I think remaining connected to Jesus is not a one shot. It's not a one thing. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a continuous daily commitment. It's an ongoing relationship that you and I have with him that we actively participate. It's a relationship. It's not one-sided. It's being connected. It's not about rituals. The Jews had rituals and it didn't bring them life. It's not about empty traditions where people quote things over and over again. But it's about a deep and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is now my friend. I'm close to him. It's about knowing him, loving him. And it it is for you and I as Christians living in obedience to his will for our life. I think one way we remain connected through Jesus is through prayer. Cannot deny the importance of prayer. It is through that daily communication that we discover what it is God wants for us. I've said it a number of times. I know while I've even been here, a great while before morning, Jesus got up and got apart from everybody else and prayed. If the Son of God needed the connection every day to pray to his Father, what do we need? We need that same connection in our life. And through prayer, I think we get to express our love to God, our gratitude to God, our adoration to God. When Jesus was asked about how to pray, you look at that model prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. Probably the model prayer would be a better guide for it because Jesus gave them a model to follow. And in it, we do all those things. We express our our love, gratitude, and adoration for, for God. But we also express our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. We, we come to him, and, and not only do we thank him for who he is, but we ask him for the things that we need. And as we spend time in prayer, I think we grow in understanding who God is and what he desires for us as we read this word and listen to him through that interpretive power of the Holy Spirit in us. We discover a relationship with Jesus. I think the Bible is written as God's revelation of himself. I, I, I mean, I've never physically seen Jesus I have imagined that he's been with me at times and thought, what would he ask me to do? But it's through that power of the Holy Spirit that I really understand who God is. When I read and meditate on God's word, I'm transformed by that truth. When I pray, I I hear and respond to that touching in my spirit, that gentle push to go a certain direction or to think or listen or understand something. And it's that faith in that relationship as opposed to what the world offers that I develop and I grow. You said it earlier, Jim, in your prayer, he is a light unto our path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 
119, 105. The Christian life was never meant to be a life in isolation. We're not supposed to be islands unto ourselves, despite what a poem says. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need support. We need accountability. And we share our lives with one another, and we grow in faith and become more like Jesus. It truly takes a village, so to speak, to grow us, to develop us. I need to bounce my gifts off your gifts. They change us. They transform us. Preacher of a year gone by, J.I. Packer, said, Once you become aware that the main business that you are here is for to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. When we recognize why we're here, it's to know about God and to be connected to him. Life, though, is about knowing God intimately and personally. It's back to that idea of relationship. It's about making him the center of our lives and the source of our strength. I draw all my power from him. When I do this, I find that the problems that I imagined, the challenges, the struggles, fall into a proper perspective. They become stepping stones for me. Growing up, my, my uh, mother especially bought me puzzles. You know, the idea was to, you know, develop my mind. Um, and so different kinds of blocks and squares that would, could form. I, I remember one, it was called Soma. It was a blue cube. I can see it to this day. And, and it gave you patterns. And you could turn the cube in certain directions and take the pieces and make a cube out of it. Or you could make other shapes with it. And it was a challenge to try to figure out how to make those shapes. I remember as I took tests along the way in, in ACT and SAT and entrance exams, they would have a section many times of puzzles just like that, that you looked at blocks and you imagined, if I turned this a certain way, what would it look like? Would it be something? And many times I, I liked the fact that when I would build these puzzles, they sometimes would form a flat surface. Yeah, sometimes they're geometric and you can see the different blocks and cubes and shapes. But sometimes you put them together and now you had something that was stable. I imagine the problems of God transforming in our lives much like that. He takes the puzzle pieces of our life that seem disjointed and out of shape and he flattens them out for us and they become platforms and stepping stones to bear fruit for his glory. A young missionary, Herbert Jackson, was given a car for his work. If you've ever known people on the mission field, car becomes very important. And many countries don't have, uh, like you and I think, great uh, vehicles. And that someone would give him one was a, a blessing. But the problem was the car had a major issue, one difficulty. It would not start without a jump or a push. You ever had one of those cars? You know? Uh, I remember, you know, when we had the gear shift cars, you know, uh, occasionally you'd have one that just wouldn't start unless it had to have a push. So Jackson devised a system. He knew where all the schools were in his community, and so he would park near a school just in case he needed to get a little shove to get started, and they all had an agreement. Kids would come out and, oh, it's fun time, push, you know, uh, Preacher Jackson's car. Or he'd, or he'd park on a hill. I know a lot of people have done that over the years. Or he'd just leave it running if it was a short trip so he could come back to the car and take off. Eventually, poor health uh, attacked 
the pastor, and he was going to need to come back to the United States. And as he came back, he was showing the new missionary all the things he needed to know, and he, he, he explained to him about the car, and this young missionary knew a little bit more about cars than Reverend Jackson. And so he looked at it, and he said, I think the problem is a loose wire right here. Sure enough, he connected the wire, tied it down, went back in the car, turned it over, and the thing started right away. For over two years, Jackson had manipulated this car, trying to get it to do what he wanted. He used his own power, and he used his own devices to make the car work, and it was needless trouble. The power the car needed was there all along. He just wasn't connected properly. You and I need to be connected to Jesus. The power is there. It's right there. But needlessly, you and I do all sorts of things. We, we read books that talk about making ourselves better or we try to put on a smiley face or have a better attitude and we think up things to, to make ourselves uh, motivated to do work for God when the power is already there. It's just we're not connected properly. Once we are connected, something happens. Number three, a fruitful life. I think as Christians, we're called to live like Christ, to love one another, and to bear fruit accordingly. At least that's what the scripture says. I, I think it's tangible for us to have a Christ-filled life and to bear fruit. It can happen. I think of the areas in my life I need to pray for, and it challenges me to develop fruit in those areas. The fruit I'm referring to is not, not just visible evidence of transformation. Sometimes it's inward, and no one ever sees it, and only you and God know about it, but you've been transformed. The New Testament mentions several aspects of spiritual fruit that Christians may produce in their lives. I want us to look at some. I've alluded to some earlier when I talked about fruits of the Spirit, but quickly, let's look at those. It's not exhaustive. I mean, God is not exhaustive. He is boundless, limitless, and he can do things in your lives that's not even listed that you would never know. But let's look at a few of them. First of all, love. Love is considered the greatest of all fruit, I think. It, it involves showing selflessness to others. That's the agape love that Jesus talks about in the New Testament, willing to overlook the other person's problems and love them anyway jesus emphasizes that importance of love in mark chapter 12 and john chapter 13 joy is another we're called to experience a deep lasting joy the bible says a joy that comes from that relationship with jesus and not just fleeting happiness based on external circumstances the way i always remember it is i have a hundred dollars i spend a hundred dollars i'm happy but once a hundred dollars is gone all of a sudden i'm kind of sad because it's gone but in Jesus, it's never gone, is it? The power is always there. Look at Galatians 5 to that. Peace. Peace is intercom. It's contentment that comes from knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior, despite the turmoil that the world is around us. The next word I think of is patience. We're called to show patience and long-suffering in the New Testament, demonstrating the endurance and forbearance we have in Christ. Not only that, we have kindness and goodness. I think those paired qualities involve showing benevolence to people, generosity to people. I think it's moral excellence in our part. It changes who we are. We become kind people. We become good people in Jesus. He transforms us. Faithful. Faithfulness. 
I think faithfulness implies a, a being reliable, trustworthy. I can go to a person who is faithful in Jesus, and I can count on the same response every time. I go to some people, and I never know if they're going to explode, or or they're going to be happy, or they're going to be sad, but if we're faithful in Jesus, we're consistent. We're consistent in who we are. But there are more, gentleness. We're encouraged to show humility, and meekness, and gentleness, and all the reactions we have. Jesus was called meek, gentle. But he had all the power of the world, didn't he? He had all the power of creation, and yet he was called meek. It is power under control. It's what gentleness and meekness is, self-control. Self-control involves mastering one's desires and impulses. Things that I would want to do for myself, I lay aside and, and let the Holy Spirit guide me to govern the actions to be better, to be more like Jesus, leading others to Christ. We're called to be witnesses and ambassadors for Christ, sharing the gospel. We are told we will be witnesses. You shall be, Acts tells us, 1-8. Also, doing good works. We're encouraged to do good deeds of acts of service, reflecting the love of others and making a positive impact on the community around us. People know who we are by what we do. Are we doing things that are fruitful? Unfortunately, many times in the news we see uh, people in, in religion and churches who abscond with funds, who, who betray their spouse, who cheat the organization that they're with. And yet Jesus can change even those people, can forgive them and transform them and make them fruitful. It's essential, I think, to note that the production of spiritual fruit is not achieved through mere human effort. I can't just work up fruit. I have to allow the Holy Spirit. And isn't that why he tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit? To get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do his work in us? To not block or dam up the flow and let it transform every area of our life. As we go in our relationship with Christ, the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives, and we're able to see the fruit of transformation. I have to remember, it's not a 100-meter dash. I remember doing track and field in, in high school, in junior high. I've got a book full of ribbons, you know. Uh, at one point, I, I finally had my hip pulled out of socket, and I lost that speed. But at one point, I was fairly fast. I had a lot of ribbons to prove it. But then I could no longer be fast. And I had a decision to make. Do I drop out of track and field and no longer do that thing that I love? And then I discovered long distance running and discovered that it was good for my hip. It gave it strength. It strengthened it. And so I became a long distance runner. Life is not a 100-meter dash. It's a long distance race that develops us. We're in it for the long haul, for eternity's sake. And we know that the process that's called sanctification is a lifelong process. Ultimately, we reach glorification where we're in heaven with Jesus. But right now, we're being worked on. And let, the Bible says, that have its work in us. So, as we come to close today, I want to wrap up our series in, in the words, in his words. 
I think it's important to remember that Jesus has so much more to say than what we've covered in the past few weeks. In fact, there are several I am statements in John that we could have explored and should commit to memory. Knowing Jesus and being a part of him is how we follow him. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate, and he is the vine. He is the branch. I pray that this is the beginning of a journey for you. As you look at those statements and remind yourself who Jesus is and what he does for us, I want to remind you of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I remind you, Jesus will not wear you out. Jesus will empower you, strengthen you, and he will be there right beside you in the yoke, pulling the most that you can imagine so that you can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today. I thank you for what you do, for making available to us a choice to abide in Christ, giving us the chance to abide in him and to have a fruitful and faithful existence. We're not just saved and sat on a shelf. You want to use us, and for that, I am grateful, God, to not just be a notch on a belt. I'm an adherent. I'm a believer. uh, I'm one of millions. But I am an individual who has a relationship with you that transforms my life. And each one of the people here has the same potential if they're part of the branch, the vine. I pray today, God, that we would do that, that we would hook ourselves in with you and remind ourselves who we are in Jesus. Let us never forget, you are the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. We pray in your holy name, amen.